Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Morning Liberty. Yeah. Well, what is up, all of our Liberty-loving friends? This is another fantastic episode of Good Morning Liberty. My name is Nate Thurston, and across from me is Charles Chuck Thompson using an impact driver that was sitting next to the uh, table right here. Just, that's weird. Yep, here's, here's this thing, just in case anyone wanted to know what kind of... What kind of driver we have here? I just always the, working. My favorite thing to do every day is mess with Nate. Yeah. Like I try as hard as I possibly can to just throw him off because he has, if, in case you guys didn't know this, like two weeks ago, Nate had this entire show worked out in his head already. Yeah. Like the whole process of how it's going to flow, who's going to say what. He even has all the words I'm going to say in his head. I do. That's the way Nate operates. I've known this guy for so long. Okay. And so my goal when I come in here every single day is to see how many throw me off. See how many drills mm-hmm. I could squeeze during the show. Well, you're doing a great job so far today. <laughs> By the way, this is Good Morning Liberty. We talk about life, liberty, and the pursuit of meaning every single day of the week when we want to. So if you are so inclined, please go hit that subscribe or follow button, leave a rating and review, tell a family member, tell a friend that they need to listen to this show. So we've been skimming the news today. What do we do on this podcast? We talk about the news the current events, and we try to present it through a libertarian-leaning... Well, actually, Charlie's a libertarian now. I'm One day of pressure from Josiah being blooded. in here, and he's a libertarian. I got yellow ice running through my veins now. So from a libertarian or libertarian-leaning perspective, because a lot of times you just get a lot of BS with the news, but there's a lot of reasons that these I'm, things are actually happening. I'm full-bore Mises Caucus. Straight-up Mises. Well, I, haven't, I don't know. Do you join a Mises Caucus? I think you can do that separately, okay. possibly, but I think joining the LP now is de facto joining... I don't know the rules. I don't know. I don't either. Yeah. So anyway. But mainly what we do here, Nate tries to be all serious, but mainly what Mm -hmm. we do here is just joke around about stuff. That is what Charlie does here. But we do give you the truth. We We try to. Give you the truth as well. (laughs) 
And you get to we hear will us. never knowingly lie to you. Can tell you that. You also get to hear us attempt to say, you know, eighth grade words. Mm-hmm. And sometimes we struggle with that, especially Nate. And if you want to hear that, go listen to yesterday's <laughs> episode where Nate couldn't say post-apocalyptic. I, it was a and big it, deal. Yeah. It was impressive mm-hmm. how many times it took him to say that. So if you are entertained by those kinds of things, then like Nate said, subscribe. Also go to joingml.com, joingml.com. Uh, un- unfortunately, we told you guys last year and beginning of this year about this inflation. Mm-hmm. And so now it's six bucks a month. We used to say it's only five, but it's it, it's six. It went up by 20%. Six bucks a month to join, but that's still basically nothing. Uh, I think it's still cheaper than probably your average Starbucks. Probably. Probably. So, uh, by the way, Magoo posted a message in here. You can donate five bucks a month at takehumanaction.com if you want to get in on that Mises donation. And so there is a separate thing. Not that we're just trying to pump them right now, but we mentioned it, and there is a website right there. Thanks for posting that. But, you know, I think there's good libertarians on both sides. I think there are fine people on both sides Mm -hmm. of this argument, for sure. Go ahead, Charlie. You got the first one here. But first, got to talk about, well, I have, well, I don't have a biology degree. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Get that out there in the open. I don't have a piece of paper designated or designating me. As an expert in biology, mm-hmm. what I do have are two human eyes. I thought you were going to say penis. And while I do that have would that, would have been way better. Yeah. What I yeah. do have are two human eyes and a penis. <laughs> <laughs> Is that go. better? Yes. All right. From yeah. Newsweek. Of course, you pulled this from Newsweek. I figured it would be one of the dumbest ones out there. You guys probably heard about this already, but it's going to be fun to listen to us talk about it. Fe- Wait until you hear us do it. Fina. F I N A. Under fire, Fina. (laughs) I was going to say, is it Fina? Well, I'm just taking it from FIFA. Probably Fina. So Fina from FIFA, like FIFA. See, this is how we can turn one article into an Mm. entire episode. Anyway, this group, whoever they are, by the way, it's the International uh, (laughs) Swimming Committee, something like that. They're under fire, which is ironic. Convenient, because they have a pool right next to it. Exactly. They're for transgender swimming ban. All women will suffer. Mm-hmm. This, yeah, this makes it to where all women will su- will suffer, even though they just passed what they call their diversity inclusion measure. It doesn't matter. They probably even made donations it. to the proper groups, also. Mm-hmm. All right, LGBTQ advocates. They no forgot. one else, just them, huh? They forgot the S's and the pluses and everything I guess else. not everyone's on board. Are they speaking out against FINA, swimming's worldwide governing body, banning most transgender women from competing in major women's races? The International Swimming Federation announced the rule on Sunday alongside plans to create an open category for events that transgender women who want to compete. The policy allows transgender women who transitioned before the age of 12 years old to compete in women's races. So before Basically puberty. before puberty. Yeah. P- See? Words like that. There you go. Puberty. They're difficult. <laughs> He's okay. known how to say that since he was 18. FINA defended the decision, noting, quote, some individuals and groups may be uncomfortable with the use of medical and scientific terminology related to sex and sex-linked traits, But some use of sensitive terminology is needed to be precise about the sex characteristics that justify separate competition categories. 
I know you guys. That's their justification for using words. <laughs> I know this may be a shock to everyone, but there are differences between men and women. Oh, my God. You didn't tell me it was going to be another super controversial episode today. Yeah. I thought we were just going to read a news story. You're coming out saying mm. stuff like that, going to get us banned all over the place. This is breaking news. By the way, they use okay. the word ban there, banning transgender athletes. Is that the proper word? Like anytime you set a qualification uh, for people that they have to meet to be able to compete, like they've also banned uh, swimmers who take 18 days to do the 50 meter as well. You know, technically, like I'm banned from from even competing against these people. You know it's what I mean? They've also banned swimmers who smoke marijuana. <laughs> That's true. There are other people <laughs> like that. Like, no, they're just, there are rules to compete against other people to try and make it as fair as possible in this competition. Isn't that strange? Yeah. Transgender athletes competing in women's swimming races became a hotly debated topic this spring as Leah Thomas, a University of Pennsylvania, a Penn swimmer, became the first openly transgender woman to win an NCAA Division I title in any event. Her win, his win, sparked a high-profile debate about whether or not transgender women have an unfair advantage over cisgender women in sports, with critics saying Thomas would not have even seen the same level of success while competing on the men's team, even as the transgender community argues that forcing trans women to swim in men's races would be invalidating. Now... Keep in mind... Invalidating. Of their... Feelings. Feelings and experience. Exactly. Yes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Now, keep in mind, Leah Thomas signed up, the University of Pennsylvania, on the men's team in 2017. Swam for the men's team. And then in 2020, swam on the women's team. While swimming for the men's team was ranked somewhere around 500th. Mm -hmm while swimming for the men's team, and then wins a Division One title. First year as a woman. It's impressive. That's a great accomplishment, mm -hmm. you could say. Uh, FINA's rule change, which went into effect on Monday, was met with mixed remarks, while some athletes, including former Olympian Caitlyn Jenner, a transgender woman herself, praised the decision. A spate of the criticism stemmed from those who believe transgender women should be allowed to compete on women's sports teams. The decision also comes as some have amped up anti-transgender rhetoric and attacks on transgender rights. Like libs of TikTok. Yeah. Basically. Of course. Olympian Chris Moser. I got some tweets here to put up on the screen while we're going through this. A transgender man and founder of the advocacy group Trans Athlete wrote in a tweet that all women will suffer from the decision. That's how they could put it in the headline. Mm-hmm. Because one person said that all women are going to suffer. So now we can use that as a headline. Uh, FINA's new policy does not follow the IOC framework. Not only is FINA's policy discriminatory, but it also will also encourage and allow the policing of all women's bodies in swimming. He wrote, the only way to enforce this policy will be to violate the rights and privacy of all women <laughs> swimmers. Because they're not constantly testing athletes and testing their body. For different things. All the time. All the time. For all kinds of things. This is this is a my body, my choice argument towards towards this whole thing. Oh. Oh, Chris. All right, we got more tweets. More dumb tweets. Here we go. Banning swimmers who are trans is discrimination. 
None of the research on this has been done on elite athletes. None. No research has been done. FINA have made this decision because of the misogynistic hate campaign directed at Leah Thomas by the anti-trans lobby. Her career has been ruined by this decision. Uh, Jackie Turner, a transgender rights activist and campaigner for Equality Australia, tweeted. Equality Australia. They're not making this based on anything related to science. This is pure misogynism. For sure. Like pure, it's definitely misogynistic to try and do something that protects women competing in sports. Mm-hmm. One, it's in the, it's in the dictionary yeah. for sure. When and there's come, been no research done. Well, what on you're that. saying is when it comes to women's <clears throat> sport, yeah. the most mo- misogynistic thing you can do is to try to keep men from competing <laughs> in women's sports. That, clearly. Clearly. Th- <laughs> obviously. I don't even know why we have to why do we have to cover this? I know this is all should be self-evident. This is clearly obvious. I understand everybody's anger here. It's just maddening. It's it's maddening that you would try to keep men out of women's sports. We're sponsored today by Donors Trust, the tax-friendly way to simplify your charitable giving without compromising your values or your principles. We talk a lot about the importance of putting your money where your mouth is to make a positive change in the world. There's tons of organizations with our liberty-minded principles that are doing great work every day, but cancel culture might be coming for your charitable dollars. All the big banks sponsor charitable savings accounts, or donor-advised funds, as they're formally called, but they have a history of slow walking or just straight up blocking donations to conservative charities. Family Research Council, National Review Institute, National Rifle Association Foundation, Liberty Council, Turning Point USA, and a lot more have been targeted by the woke mob in recent years. So clearly, not every donor-advised fund provider is safe for conservatives and libertarians. Let Donors Trust help manage your charitable giving. Donors Trust was built with our listeners in mind. That's people who believe that limited government and constitutional rights are worth fighting for. If you already have a donor-advised fund, consider opening a rollover account. It can be done in three simple steps by calling my friends at Donors Trust. The Donors Trust team will work with you to protect your charitable legacy and help you achieve your charitable goals. Even if you're not ready now, by the way, but you're interested in charitable giving in the future, sign up to the link to get more information. Partner with a fund that matches your values. To learn more, download their prospectus at www.donorstrust.org gml. That's www.donorstrust.org gml. To align your giving with your values, visit www.donorstrust.org gml. A writer and activist Charlotte Clymer, a transgender woman, accused Fina in a tweet of bowing, quote, to political pressure bought, uh, brought about by vicious anti-trans propaganda. Yep. Quote, no young trans woman would, would meet this criteria without access to proper health care, which itself is being banned in many places. Ludicrous, she added. Queer Eye star Jonathan Van Ness tweeted, quote, another reason why these anti-trans laws that prohibit gender-affirming care of minors... All these laws and rulings are seeking to disappear trans people, and it won't work. This Um, is another reason it's bad. Because they set the standard that if you transitioned after the age of 12, then you're not going to be able to compete. But then also you see in these states, they're trying to 
ban just terribly the ability to transition a child from one gender to another, you know, based on their feeling that they're a different sex uh, than the than the biologic way that they were born. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the reasons that they're trying to ban it. Honestly, this whole transgender thing, I think it revolves around women swimming. I didn't realize it had so much power. But uh, that's that's what's going on right here, ma'am. All right, at the end of the article here, quote, FINA's new eligibility criteria for transgender athletes and athletes with intersex variations is discriminatory, harmful, unscientific, and not in line with the 2021 IOC principles. Insubordinate. If we truly want to protect women's sports, we must include all women, including men. <laughs> and that when here, If we want to protect women's sports, we must include all women including former men who are now women. Yeah. Now, that, Charlie's saying all this because he is vehemently anti-trans. Not anti-trans. He is against it wholeheartedly, hates trans people, and wants to rid the world of them, right? Nope. Not no. at all. I mean, that's all I heard right there. Probably. It was a bunch of cis male mansplaining right there. <laughs> that's all I heard. Yeah. Now, actually, we're just talking about people that, you see, when we set up sports... People are competing against one another. You try to set it up as fair as possible, right? And they set some rules and criteria for people that compete against one another, especially some of these men and women that go to college and they're trying to get, they get scholarships, they go to college, they try to compete in the Olympics, try to get sponsorships, you know, try to live their life and their hopes and dreams and all that stuff. And so you set up some basic criteria. And I think over time we found that one of the basic criteria is that men and women competing against each other would not be the fairest thing. And in fact, I think you would end up with a bunch of teams that have no women on them at all, would just be men. By the way, the NFL is open to women. Women, women can, They had a female kicker come and try out, and the NFL is open to women. And you see that there's, there's not any women because it turns out that however many people there are in the NFL – you know, 52 people on a team or whatever, 53 times the amount of teams and all the people on the practice squads and all that, that there ends up being that many men that are better than whatever the women are that are playing football. And that sounds crazy, right? You know what I say? No, I don't. I say fuck it. (laughs) Honestly. Let's just, no more categories. I'm fine with that. Just, if you're going to, if we're going to throw shot put, here's the ball. Doesn't matter who you are, come and throw it. See mm-hmm. who throws it the farthest. If I, we're going to jump hurdles, if we're going to swim laps, if we're going to do anything, just no more categories. I'm completely fine with just that. Just completely erase all the categories. What It doesn't matter who you are, where you come from, you're allowed to compete. The problem well, how with, about we do that? The problem with that is, is the 20 years from now, when every single one of those teams are made up of only men, that will be another talking point for people on the left about the patriarchy. <laughs> And how men are holding women out off of these teams and won't allow any women to come and compete. And so we found that, especially in physical competition, that it was a, a good idea to separate people out by their biological sex. Which, by the way, that's what I actually think. I, I know that. I just, I'm making a point here. Um, the other thing I want to say before you get into the data here, I read another, another article about this, which is on, on the FINA's committee, they had... Human rights activists, they had transgender athletes, 
They had medical doctors. They had uh, gender scientists. They had other biological scientists. They had a whole team that they created specifically to make this decision. Mm. And I actually think they did probably what you and I talked about doing probably like three years ago when we first started talking about this stuff, which is they had they created a separate open category. So now you have men's, women's, open, which I think is that's probably the fairest way to do it. Yeah. Like if you want, if you're a transgender athlete and you want to compete, either you should compete as your biological sex determines or you compete in a separate category. And now we have more gold medals to give out. I want to thank the sponsor for today's show. That's our friend Mikel Thurup of the Expat Money Show. You've probably heard him on this podcast before. That's back on episode 330. And if you're one of the many people who are considering exploring life in another country, you absolutely have to subscribe to the Expat Money Show. Whether it's foreign residencies, second passports, asset protection, or protecting your money from the tyranny of taxation, there is no better resource than the Expat Money Show. I mean that. Seriously. This is the guy to go to. Mikkel has spent over 20 years traveling the world, visiting more than 100 countries, while living in nine different countries over that time. He can help you legally eliminate your tax bill and travel the world in the process. So subscribe to the Expat Money Show today, available on all the podcast apps, YouTube, or you can find the episodes over at expatmoneyshow.com. And by the way, he's got a great online summit coming up that I'm going to put the link in the show notes to as well. A bunch of different experts who are going to show you all the benefits of living the expat lifestyle, the best ways to do it, how we can actually live a free libertarian lifestyle that does sound pretty good. So go over to the expatmoneyshow.com and find all the links in the show notes. And by the way, right now, why are we talking about this on a libertarian podcast? Because I don't want the government to do anything really exactly. about this, except for when it comes to I, if the government's going to be controlling schools, you know, then then once we accept that fact, then we can talk about what yeah. the government. If Title Nine or Title Ten is going to come into play. Okay. Yes. But our our final answer as well should just be private schools, and they can do whatever they want. We can do that. We're talking about a cultural thing right now. We're talking about logic and rationality right now and whether or not there is a truth that men and women are different in sports and physical capabilities. And I, if, you can't, if you can't admit that there is just a biological difference, then you're, you're not really having the conversation. You're talking about uh, invalidating people's feelings. You know, you're talking about making someone uh, feel uncomfortable or feel bad or messing up their career, but you're not talking about physical competition. You're not talking about biology or science or anything like that. Even one of the past tweets there said that without any, you know, not trust. I don't know how they said something about the science. Was it on that last tweet here? Who mentioned science? Let me uh, see. A which lot one of it was. Did. Uh, said it this was is unscientific. Charlotte Clymer. This is horrific. FINA has chosen to disregard science and bow to political pressure. And we've heard a lot about science, and I guess we'll have to hear from Fauci on this, but <laughs> there, there is some science behind it, and we've, al we've also got data behind the whole thing. There's this study uh, that Duke did, and I'm also, I looked at the, that Duke University did, and I'm also looking at some of the swimming numbers here as well. And if you're watching a video later on YouTube, probably this whole section will be banned or muted or whatever it is that they're going to do to us to, to punish us. But on the swimming numbers, by the way, Duke's study starts off with just in the single year 2017, 
Olympic, world, and U.S. champion Tori Bowie's 100 meters lifetime best of 10.78 was beaten. So that is U.S. champion Tori Bowie's Olympic, world, U.S. champion lifetime best was beaten 15,000 times by men and boys, people under the age of 18. The same is true for Allison Felix's 400 meters lifetime best of 49.26 just in 2017. Men and boys around the world outperformed her more than 15,000 times. And so this study from Duke goes to say that this isn't the result of boys and men having a male identity or more resources or better training or superior discipline. It's because they have, and how do you say that, Charlie? Where are we at here? And, <laughs> androgenized body. So the results make clear that sex determines when share. Now, I, what I did on this chart right here was I, I underlined. Well, you're also, you're leaving out the fact that a team of 15-year-old boys beat the women's national team in soccer. Which that, I, I've seen that before. What I, can't, what I don't know is whether or not, uh, because that wasn't a, a competition, you know, it wasn't a, a real you're game. saying women are so nice they let I'm the saying boys there is win. a what what I'm saying is there's a motherly instinct from the women in that and they wanted the boys to win the game so they felt better about themselves. In that circumstance I think the women were overcome by their feelings. <laughs> <laughs> and they may have decided to let the kids win the game possibly. What I'm saying is I don't know. And since you can make that argument uh, then what you really just have to do is look at the data for when men are competing and when women are competing. And what I did on this chart was I underlined, this is men and women separated out for the freestyle, butterfly, backstroke, and breaststroke. And all the way, 50 meters, this goes up to 1,500 meters, and it actually went up further than that, but I, I cut it off. Uh, but nothing changed, by the way. I underlined every time where the men's best time was better than the women's, in blue, and then I underlined every time where the women's time was better than the men's in red on this chart. I, I actually didn't have to do that. There's just a bunch of blue lines where I underlined all of these things right here. You see in freestyle, butterfly, backstroke, breaststroke, there's an average between 9 to 15% difference for the best times in all of those. Okay, well, that's swimming. That's one thing. Now, that, that is relevant to what we're talking about right now, of course. Now, what does that mean for Leah Thomas? We're talking about whether or not this is fair, and we're talking about whether it's a good idea for FINA to do this thing. You look at the men's best times in every single category and the women's best times in every single category, and the men's best times were better than all the women. And this is exactly how Leah Thomas was able to go from 500th-ish ranking in the men's to winning the Division One title her first year as a woman, which is a miraculous uh, feat, no doubt. But that's how that's which able to happen. Which is somehow better for all women. That's better for women. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's dangerous to women to not allow that to happen. This is from Duke Law right here. This is track and field. This goes 100 meters, 200, 400, 815, 3,000, 5,000, high jump, pole vault, long jump, triple jump, through all these things. They took the best women's result in all of those categories, not only did they care, compare it to the best men's result, they compared it to the best boys' result. That's age 0 to 18 in this year. 
So then the, they gave you the number of boys that beat the women's best result and the number of men that beat the best result and then the number of instances that women's result has been beaten by boys or men. Yeah. So the uh, 100 meters, just for an example, 124 boys under the age of 18 beat the best women's result. And this was in 2017. 124 different boys beat the best women's result. And it says 124 plus because we probably there's probably more. <laughs> yeah. 2,474 men beat the best women's result. And the amount of times that they did this, because there were multiple races, over 10,000 times on that 100 meters, just in, just in 2017, from this data right here. There's other stuff. The uh, 800 meters, 201 boys beat the best women's. Uh, about 4,000 men beat the best women's. 12,285 times that happened in multiple races. And it's the case in all of these except for you get a little bit lower when it gets to the 5,000 meters when it comes to boys beating women. When you get to 5,000 meters, there were only 15 boys that beat the best women's time in the 5,000 meters. There are 1,243 men that beat the best women's result in that, and that happened over 2,000 times when you get all the way to the 5,000. This is why they separate these things out, because they are using the science. Okay, it doesn't have anything to do with it doesn't even have anything to do with whether or not you agree with people being transgender, whether or not you think that's okay or not. We're talking about physical competition between people, and they've decided that biological sex is a really big differing factor if you want to try and make things as fair as possible. And then they separate people out by age as well. And you go into, uh, you go into different stuff, you go into weight classes and all that. They always try to make it as fair as possible. But when you, if you allow men, uh, biological males, biological people born men, to compete in the women's, I'm telling you, you will end up with teams of only men in both the men's and women's sports. There will be teams of only danglers on all, on all of these teams. And if you make it one single thing, which I think, that, I think is the best option if you wanted to solve this problem, you just say there is not men's and women's. There is just the U.S. Uh, swimming's team or the Penn swimming team. Or the event. This the is event. the event. Now, when you fractionate it down to a single school, you probably can end up with some women on the team if your pool of pool <laughs> if your pool of men that you're pulling from is not uh, is not enough people but when you go to a national like u.s swimming team it's going to be all men it's this, going to this would also solve the money debate between the women's it's soccer true. team and the men's soccer team it's we true. just have one u.s team and see how many women make the team well and then like i said there if, would be none if by they, the way which is horrible if they do that then you're going to hear cries about sexism on the teams afterwards. And then we'll say, well, no shit. That's why we were separ separating it out. Okay. And I had someone and on Twitter is, tell me. You can't win for losing here, man. I had someone on Twitter tell me, because I posted something about um, Megan Rapinoe said that this decision was disgusting. You know. Of course she did. Now, if that's, 
you know, she really believes that, that's fine. She believes that, but she needs to realize that no one would give two shits the dumb stuff she's saying on a daily basis because no one would ever heard of her. And she needs to realize that. And I, ha I had someone respond and say, oh, so you'd like, uh, how did they call it? They said, we need affirmative action to make sure that women get on the women's team. Because I said that it was unfair for a trans, however you say it, a biological male to be on the women's team. And she basically said that, well, that means, this person said, that means you're in favor of affirmative action for biological women to make sure that they're on the team. I'm just saying, no, I'm just talking about making it fair. My sex, you're going to get into a situation where it's going to require affirmative action to make sure that there are women on sports teams. Because it's just not, it just ain't going to work. There could be some sports mm. where this works, but the, uh, I, I don't know what it's going to be. Ice skating, figure skating. The study, the study defines it this way, which I think is really important here to kind of articulate the data mm -hmm. in a way. And I think Duke did a good job of this in their little synopsis here, which is, um, and this is something we all know pretty much. I mean, it, it's glaringly obvious to most people. You have to remember, let me, I, I want to say this too. I have nothing against trans people whatsoever, and I don't think you should uh, talk hatefully to them. I don't think you should treat them um, any differently. I think you should be kind to them like you would to anyone else. Like I'm not an advocate, obviously, for any type of hate towards somebody because they're different than you. I don't believe in that whatsoever. Um, but I also want to say that like, it, if you are a trans person, especially from a libertarian perspective, which is we don't care be whoever you want to be. I don't care what you identify as. The thing is you can't make other people conform to it. And the trans community is like literally less than 1% of the population. And here they are trying to make rules for everyone else saying what you, that not only do you have to accept, but you have to comply. But it's, a, it's you, you, the same things as like, okay, if you, um, you know, in the dating world, if you turn down a transgender woman, well, you're just a bad, a bad man. You're a bigot. It's like, well, no, I was hoping for some vagina, and you didn't have that. That's why I came to That's, this crappy Italian restaurant in the first place. Exactly. Yeah. And so, like, look, to me, this is glaring obvious, glaringly obvious for most of the population. But to make it clear here, I think Duke does a really good job of articulating this, which is, they say here, the results make clear that sex determines wind share. Female athletes, which are defined as athletes with ovaries instead of <laughs> testes and testosterone levels capable of being produced by the female body, are not competitive for the win against males. Okay? They go on to explain here, these biological differences explain the male and female secondary sex characteristics which develop during puberty and have lifelong effects including those most important for success in sport. Categorically, different strength, strength, speed, and endurance. There is no other physical, cultural, or socioeconomic trait as important as testes for sports <laughs> purposes. Okay? So when it comes to sports, the only thing that matters... Is whether or not you have balls. Do you have the balls to compete? <laughs> Thank you. Glad you went there. I just thought that that was yeah. just a perfect explanation. <laughs> okay. Once again. Do you have the cojones for the strength, 
speed, and endurance. <laughs> and if you don't, well, then you're not going to be as good. The answer is, that can you win? It depends on whether or not you have the balls to do it. All right. <laughs> Let's move on. Drastically change topics. If you disagree, by the way, send me an email, charlie at goodmorningliberty.us. Send that over or go to joingmail.com and pay $6 for an expedited reply. By expedited, I mean within two weeks mm-hmm. reply. That's pretty quick for me. <laughs> All right. So we're going to change topics to, to something, to free speech here for a minute. This is something that happened last week, and I was waiting to see it shake out a little bit, but I thought we could have a good conversation about free speech real quick when it comes to um, Elon Musk and the firing of the SpaceX employees who uh, had an open letter talking about Elon Musk's embarrassing behavior and that people should do, about, do something about it. So what happened was they wrote this article or this letter talking terribly about Elon Musk, who happens to run the company, and uh, they got fired. And what was trending on Twitter a lot last week, and what a lot of people were talking about was free speech and how Elon Musk obviously doesn't care about free speech. He's talking about Twitter, trying to save free speech, and there he goes. Some of his employees, they write up something talking negatively about him, and they get fired. And so does this contradict free speech principles, Charlie, will be the question that needs answered. Space, call, is he the CEO <clears throat> of SpaceX? He is the CEO. He's not the president. They do have a president. But he's techno king of Tesla. Mm-hmm. He CEO. is the CEO of Tesla. I do no, not he's think... techno king of Sp- okay. Tesla, Nate. Yeah, that's right. He's no longer the CEO. Mm-hmm. Is he, I'm just wondering, is he also, is SpaceX, he's the CEO? Not. I do think he's the CEO, but the, I know that they have a, a president. Okay. As well, gotcha. could be could be wrong on that, but probably not. So, from Ars Technica, SpaceX has reportedly fired at least five employees who circulated a letter that urged company executives to condemn CEO Elon Musk's public behavior. He's a CEO. Okay. SpaceX President Gwen Shotwell explained the firings in an email the staff, according to a New York Times article. So, Gwen Shotwell, President of SpaceX. The letter, solicitations, and general process made employees feel uncomfortable, intimidated, and bullied, and or angry because the letter pressured them to sign on to something that did not reflect their views, Shotwell wrote. So they were trying to get people to sign on to force this meeting to happen between Elon Musk and the executives. We have too much critical work to accomplish and no need for this kind of overreaching activism. So the emails the staff also said blanketing thousands of people across the company with, re- with repeated unsolicited emails and asking them to sign letters and fill out unsponsored surveys during the workday is not acceptable. Shotwell urged employees to stay focused on the SpaceX mission and use your time to do your best work. This is how we will get to Mars. Reuters reported the number of fired employees was five. The letter said SpaceX executives should publicly address and condemn Elon's harmful Twitter behavior and that the company must swiftly and explicitly separate itself from Elon's personal brand. <laughs> Elon, I love it when this happens. Like the the same thing happened with Tesla. You know, um, Elon's still going through a lawsuit right now about that whole we're going to take Tesla public at 420. Mm-hmm. You know, he's getting sued by people who have, it, you know, if they were invested in Tesla, made tons of money off of him. And the, still up from that price, up, by the way. Way more past that level. When he talked about taking it public at 420, and they're still getting, he's still getting sued over this. You still have them talking about how he's dangerous for Tesla, you know, which, which wouldn't clearly wouldn't be where it is 
if it weren't for him. The same thing happened with um, Steve Jobs with, uh, with Apple. They end up getting rid of him. Mm-hmm. What happens? He ends up coming back a, a little bit later because he really was Apple. You know, they lost the direction. And Tesla and SpaceX both need Musk, Musk for their direction. It, it is uh, him, his ideas that have led them to be where they even are. But they're acting like he's the problem here. If it weren't for Musk, you know, he's going to stop us from our goals of getting to Mars. As if they would still be doing this if he wasn't there in the first place. It's so, I don't know, it's so entitled. It's really, it really well, eats at me. And you see this with all kinds of people. I mean, Jeff Bezos. Mm-hmm. Same thing with, with Amazon. I mean, everybody was, you know, like, he's the problem. This is the guy. And, you know, what you, people, there are very few people in this world who are disruptors. And that's what I would classify Elon as. Same thing with Steve Jobs. Same thing with Jeff Bezos, even Bill Gates, right? You have these certain people, which, by the way, everybody thinks Bill Gates is a saint. You go back in time when Microsoft was getting off the ground, the dude was just as much of an asshole, if not more, than Steve Jobs was. Well, I think you he have to be. A, right. He worked 100 hours a week, was very hard on his employees, um, and all this stuff. And, like, these these kinds of people, usually men, in fact, um, they operate on a whole nother level. And without that, without that vision, that direction, the, the, the disruptive behavior even, the vision wouldn't be able to come, come to life, as well, you you're have mentioning. To, you have to take the bad with the good. Well, and say it that way. And also is what makes it so attractive to the people as a whole. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, no one goes out and buys books that have average Joes in them, you know, <laughs> like no one watches movies about average Joes. I think there's a show called average Joe actually that no one watched on it. like, I, you're also right about that. <laughs> yeah. It like, looked terrible. Yeah. No, we go to watch movies about superheroes, <laughs> guys with ridiculous powers and crazy vision. Who do all kinds of messed up stuff, but they're heroes. That's what we watch movies about. TV series, 2003. That's not the one I'm thinking about. Hmm. 20, oh, Ordinary Joe was the newest one I was thinking of. Looked terrible. If anyone watched it, let me know if I was right about that. It looked like a complete waste of my time. So we're going to skip down real quick to an article from uh, that was posted on MSM called Elon Musk sure does hate free speech when it's coming from his own employees doesn't he? So we're going to separate this principle out between free speech and society and with the government and uh, the public square, which I don't like calling Twitter that really, uh, but uh, or free speech in a company when you're working for someone and they're, and they're paying you mm-hmm. for your time that you're spending there at their company while you're executing their vision for the, for the company. I think there's a difference right there. Elon Musk has repeatedly claimed that the driving reason behind this purchase of Twitter was to protect free speech. If you take his words at face value, which you shouldn't, (laughs) one would think that freedom of speech was the most important thing in the world to him. But if that were the case, you'd imagine that defense of free speech would extend to people at his own companies, even when they're expressing negative opinions of him, which it very clearly does not. I think the most reasonable, reasonable people would agree that Musk tweets 
be they stolen memes, poop emojis, <laughs> those poop emojis. In response to business discussions or jokes about accusations of sexual harassment are distracting and embarrassing. But even Musk disagrees. Those are those employees' opinions. And everything he has said about defending speech indicates Musk should at least agree with their ability to express themselves. No. I'll just say no to that. You don't have free speech when you're working at a company for, for the company on that company's time and criticizing the person who runs the company and signs your paychecks. That's different. Okay, now they're free to say whatever they want. I'm sure Elon Musk would agree that these people should be able to post all the terrible stuff on Twitter that they want to about him. But while he's paying them to execute his vision of building starships and going to other planets, you don't have a right to be there. You don't even have a right to free speech. You can be easily replaced by someone else. In fact, I put up here in the notes earlier, before you decide to criticize your boss openly at work, you know, who's like one of the most public figures in the entire, on the entire planet, uh, before you do that, you got to ask yourself, would it be detrimental to the company if I was no longer here? Can they go on without me? Am I easily replaced? And if those answers are no, it would not be detrimental to the company if I wasn't here. Could they go out, go on without me? Yeah. Could I be easily replaced by someone else? Yeah. And you should probably decide whether or not you're going to openly criticize your boss. I have an easy analogy for everyone. Okay. Well, an easy analogy for all the men. <laughs> okay. So here's an easy analogy for everyone with testes. All right. Which could be women also. <clears throat> So you, you wouldn't go to jail, okay? Like the government wouldn't put you in jail. And so you can legally say whatever you want to your wife, okay? But she doesn't have to stay married to you. No, she doesn't. That's, You're saying you, you couldn't be in prison for saying, no, no, they you know, no. calling your wife a B word or yeah, something like or that. Calling her a battle axe, yeah. you know? But there are consequences, there could be consequences. Yeah. No, it could work the other way. I mean, wives, you can say whatever you want to your men. He doesn't have to stay. Most of the time he will, <laughs> and they'll take it. <laughs> <laughs> but he doesn't have to. So you have freedom of speech, but it doesn't mean people have to interact with you. It does, freedom of speech does not mean that you are, that you are forced to listen to what I have to say. And not only that, you have to employ me. And give me money, or in the case of your household, like you have to cook for me and feed for me and do all these things for me. You have to be, you have to stay married to me, and I can tell, say whatever I want to you. You gotta pay Those me. Those two things aren't the same. You gotta pay me to spend my to spend my time on your dollar, talking negatively about you, and also trying to turn as many of your other paid employees against you as possible. And yeah, you gotta. You know, free speech. You know, I think where this gets muddied up is people think that uh, so free speech doesn't mean that there aren't any consequences to it. But when it comes to this Twitter thing, and this is why it's so important to say the annoying things that we say, Twitter does have the right to stop anyone they want from speaking on their platform. They do. Because you don't just have the right to go onto their website and talk. And that's why I think that principle is so very important to, to define that 
to tell people this doesn't mean that you can just go anywhere you want and say anything and that there aren't any consequences ever. All right? That's not what that means, and that's what people think it means. And if that is your position, then that extends out to a lot of other things that maybe you would end up being a little hypocritical on. You don't have the right to say whatever you want with no consequences ever. Where this really becomes different is when it comes to the government deciding your speech because the government has different power and authority than someone who runs a company does, runs a website or a rocket company. They can put you in prison. They can kill you in some states if they want to. They can kill you if you refuse, if you refuse to go to prison. They can set laws that control other companies. They take portions of your money. They are different, and so it's very important to make sure that they are not the ones limiting speech because they are the ones who have the authority to use force over other people, actual physical force, legally authorized force over other people. And so that's why you got to make sure that they are not limiting speech. But when you're on someone else's property, when you're in SpaceX's building, or you're circulating stuff through their emails, or you're talking about the person that's writing your checks, or you're on Twitter's servers that they're paying to run, you're not paying to run the servers. They're the ones that get to dictate what comes through and what doesn't. Now, do we need transparency on that? Realize that Elon Musk didn't say, I'm going to spend $40 billion electing Ron DeSantis so he can control Twitter and make sure that no one is ever going to censor any speech anymore. That's not what he said. He said, I'm going to buy Twitter and I'm going to make it open source. So everyone can see what's happening and who's getting censored. That's what he said. He didn't come in and say he's going to control it. And that's the difference right there. It's about control. It's about power, use of force, all hey, those. That's an amen, man. I, right there's an amen. I couldn't have said that any better. I know. That's, I just let you have the floor. I, I saw it on your face that you were, and I saw, I was like, oh, I better keep going. I can tell he's not going to say anything. Yeah, I wasn't <laughs> going to say nothing. I, I couldn't. <laughs> it wasn't Paul. I wouldn't allow it. You, it wasn't free no. at that time for you to say anything. That's right. So anyhow, anyhow, we're getting we're getting close to the end of our hour here. But you want me to go into more Tesla news here? Uh, well, this is kind of a labor conversation that is very different. Tell, let's talk about the gas tax holiday real quick. The next article okay. right there. To make it a little easier. Yeah. In yeah. Right here from MSN. Joseph R. Biden president currently he weighs a gas tax holiday how much would consumers really save i did hear that a lot of people are trying not to buy gas between july 3rd and july 5th something like that which a lot of people travel during that time so i don't feel like that's gonna be tough that would be really tough to do kind of a boycott on gas but anyway uh facing pressure to do something that's the problem that's the problem actually you gotta do something Anything, regardless of whether or not it's going to do anything. Something. Mm -hmm. You're not doing anything. You don't feel like you're doing nothing. You know what? Sometimes nothing is the best thing you can do. Let me use it on my wife sometime. (laughs) Um, He is facing pressure to do something legislatively, which he's not part of the legislation branch, so that's weird. But (laughs) that President Biden would be pressure, feel pressure to do something legislatively. To curb skyrocketing gas prices, uh, he said Monday he will make a decision on pursuing a federal gas tax holiday by the end of the week. Mm. Now, isn't that weird? The move would suspend a federal tax of 18.4 cents per gallon of gas and 24.4 cents for diesel as fuel prices have soared above $5 a gallon in many states. 
While it might provide some short-term relief, the policy has plenty of critics. Many economists argue a pause in the federal gas tax could drive up inflation once the holiday ends, deplete the transportation funds, and only reduce a fraction of the overall historic spike in gas prices. Several Senate Democrats with tough elections in November introduced the gas tax holiday. They include uh, someone from Georgia and Arizona and New Hampshire. Republicans in the Senate slammed the measure as a you gotta desperate... Hit, you got to hit the table when you say slam. Oh, slammed the measure as a desperate election year stunt, meaning a proposal might need all 50 Demo- Democratic senators to pass. There's an interesting political battle that's going to shape up here now where the Democrats want to remove the gas tax. And Republicans are going to try to block it. And they're going to try to block it. But for political reasons on the Republic, they're both... They're both doing it for political reasons. Mm -hmm. The Democrats don't care. The Republicans don't care. They're doing it for political reasons about this election. The Democrats want to take some pressure off of people before November, and the Republicans don't want to let the Democrats take some pressure off of people before the election. And so they're going to be fighting against this, and it's not. They might be able to say, like, oh, Republicans, they wouldn't allow us to repeal the gas tax. They blocked it. Now, if we're going to not repeal... If we're going to do a holiday, trust me, nothing's so permanent as a temporary government program unless that temporary program is relieving taxes for a little bit. That's yeah. not that's going to be temporary. That's the one thing they'll for do. For sure temporary. Yes. yes. Yeah. So they they could do this temporarily and that's fine. Even Trump's tax cuts were temporary by the way. <laughs> They're all they all are. Mm-hmm. Um they could do that, but it's not going to it's not going to make a dent. And the problem, if they would have done this when gas was two fifty a gallon, you would have noticed it. You know, would have been like a eight percent reduction on your gas. But now it's like nothing. So, good good luck to you. Yeah, I mean, at five dollars, when you take off eighteen cents, you're at four, about four percent somewhere in there. Well, I was just trying to do the quick math. <laughs> four eighty two. Yeah, it's four eighty two better than five. It's better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean that's better. But are people going to see that as better? And also, like, how economists slam this, too, as it's going to cause worse inflation. Really? This is what... (laughs) They're worried about people having more buying power. Not not everything else we've done. Yeah. Stopping the... uh, (laughs) Taking 18 less cents from folks per gallon... That's what's going to send inflation over the moon. If we and we can't have that. If we stop taking money from people, that's going to make things worse on people. <laughs> as the argument that they're making. Oh, while skeptics have raised concern that oil companies would pocket the tax cut, new research shows the bulk of savings would be passed on to consumers under federal gas tax suspension. And what does that mean? New research shows the bulk of savings would be passed on the consumers. Taxes are a price that are added on to the price of whatever you're paying for a good or service. Always. That is what that says. Because companies don't pay taxes. No. How many times do we have to tell you guys? You pay the tax. All right. So skipping down here a little bit. Um, quote, part of the challenge with the gas tax, of course, is that it funds the roads. My roads. My roads, folks. Who can forget my roads? And we just did a big infrastructure bill to help fund the roads. Where does all this money go? I don't, Jesus Christ. I don't know. 18 cents of every single gallon that's pumped 
and we don't have enough money for roads. <sighs> oh, if we remove the gas tax, that takes away the funding that was just passed by Congress to be able to do that. We don't have any money, folks. Hmm. Now, <laughs> what they're saying in that, because remember, when you reduce taxes on people, that balloons the deficit. We're super worried about that ballooning the deficit. And so now they're coming in and they're saying, well, you know, we just uh, gave the Trump tax cuts a whole lot of whole lot of hell because we kept spending money even after we did tax reductions on stuff. And that ballooned the deficit. We made a big point about that whole thing. But now we just said we're going to spend a bunch of money on stuff and then we're going to reduce the amount of money we take in mm -hmm. to pay for it. Well, you know, that's going to create a problem. Now, it's not going to be very much money. I mean, it's 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 fake. I mean, $20 billion? It's nothing. Also, the, one of the biggest problems there is with this, they didn't really go in too much. They just, one line to probably the, the worst effect this is going to have is that there are also environmental concerns mm. with incentivizing the use of fossil fuels. I feel like the whole article should have yeah. been about that because obviously that's the greatest fear for mankind. Nothing is going to push us over the cliff faster than reducing gas from $5 down to 484. I mean 482. that 482. 482. Mm. That is going to I mean we're going to shave a couple years off of our lifespan by doing that. We can't go back to a time when people were paying 482 a gallon. It's <laughs> impossible. Yeah. Also critics of a gas tax holiday note the US is already uh, the U.S. already has one of the lowest gas taxes among highly developed nations. Mm. And that's because they take 18 cents per liter Whew. instead of per gallon. That's probably, probably why. Than, it's probably more than that. <laughs> I'm just saying they're counting their, yeah. their measurements wrong. You know, the, the other problem is that Republicans are going to point out. Now, what's gonna, it's going to be interesting how this shakes out because if Republicans actually do block this, and I don't know if they will. I think they can get a Republican to go along with getting rid of the gas tax. Like, I think Rand, like Rand Paul, Paul. I think Rand Paul, probably, like, yeah. oh, you're going to get rid of a tax for a bit? Yeah, sure, I'll come in and get rid of a tax for a bit. So I don't think it's going to get blocked. It would just be interesting to see it get blocked, and then Democrats act like the price of gas is completely the fault of Republicans who Hard. refuse them the 18-cent decline on the price of gas. And every time you complain about the fact that it's 150 bucks to fill up your car, you're like, oh, this is Republicans' fault. Mm -hmm. They didn't vote. I saw someone posting stickers. Uh, on something saying that Republicans did this gas price. Why? Because they blocked the price gouging bill that was going to prevent people from raising their prices up a bunch. Yeah. And so now we can't raise our prices anymore. All, now we can't stop them from raising prices. It's all Republicans' fault, yeah. man. No, none of this is solving the actual problem. If we only voted for the right Democrats, mm -hmm. oh, what a world we would have with competition being fair and open. To all women, not just biological women. All women. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then gas wouldn't be a problem. The economy would never see this inflation anymore. And just Biden probably wouldn't even fell off of his bike. Looks if, like, are you done that you took your headphones off? You got a call? Um, no, I'm about done. Oh, okay. But Biden probably wouldn't even fell off of his bike the other day if we just had the right people that's in true. office. And that's, that's true. The biggest problem is these Republicans. Because I, um, I mean, I saw he, I saw a Republican essentially came and pushed him over right there. Now he, it was a ghost he, Republican, he the blew, one that he's been trying to ban. He blew really hard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Do you? If you have a second, I have this COVID story. Oh. I went to the doctor today. Mm. All right. Saw my doctor. He's checking my heart with a stethoscope, 
and he goes to take it off and it, it rips his mask off and he goes, man, I, and I wasn't wearing mine. Okay. So for a little bit of backstory, when I came into the office, I didn't have a mask on and they say, we still require masks in here. She had a really deep voice and, uh, and I was like, okay, put a mask on over my chin. And so I wore the mask. I get into the office in there and the, uh, the person who, you know, asked what medication to take, she's like, you can take your mask off in here. I don't really care. And so I take it off. The doctor comes in. And she was like, we require you not to have a mask in the exam room. Yeah. <laughs> the doctor comes in. He, he pulls a stethoscope off. It rips his mask. And he goes, I wish I could quit wearing this freaking thing. And he had it on over his chin when he was doing it. It rips it off. He goes, look at me. I'm not even wearing it. He goes, it does nothing. But it's, it's on my chin. And he's like, I have to have it on here. He's like, it's completely pointless. And my doctor goes, it's, it's completely political. They do nothing at all. Mm -hmm. And so I told him my story about my vaccinated family member refusing to give me a hug at a Mother's Day, who is a doctor, by the way, refused to give me a hug. And he, my, doc, my doctor says, um, why don't you ask her to look at the data on how well the vaccine does against Omicron? He's like, because it's pointless. <laughs> <laughs> he was like, she's probably vaccinated, isn't she? And I was like, yeah, she did like four shots or so. And uh, he's like, she's worried about being around you. <laughs> Who hasn't had it. it was hilarious because I found out why this entire time that my doctor, uh, the one time he asked me about whether or not I was vaccinated, I said no. And he goes, well, that's fine. It doesn't matter. Everyone's going to get it anyway. And, and that was it. And he essentially told me I was 34, soon to be 35 on Friday, and that I didn't really have enough to worry about to worry about whether or not I was vaccinated. And it was a good conversation with my doctor today. That's nice. My, my medical doctor who works at a... Big hospital in the what? Nashville area. I'm not giving you his name. That's a great personal story. <laughs> there you go. So anyway, take it from my doctor. This is all pointless. <laughs> Everything's fake. We, yeah. We've gone over this so many times, folks. Everything is not real. Nothing's real. Okay? All right, y'all. If you enjoyed today's show, then please, as Nate said, hit that plus button, which means you're going to subscribe to the show on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating and review, five stars, because it's definitely worth it. And then go to joingml.com. Be part of the live show. Uh, send the, Get a response from Nate a lot faster than you would through just regular email. Um, and if you do all of those things, we'll be back again tomorrow for some White Pill Wednesday to tell you what's going, tell you the good things that are happening around the world. And uh, that's that's when we'll be back. I hope you guys have a good day. <laughs> and a, and, uh, and you got, you all, everyone... Have Look, a great have a great day. Have a good morning, Liberty. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, that's the end. <laughs> <laughs>